We'll be reading again from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, the exact same passage of Scripture that we spoke of this morning. We want to continue with some thoughts from this particular passage of Scripture to get a biblical perspective on the events of this past week. Of course, the events of this past week are not isolated. Uh, these issues have been brewing for years, and especially for months. So we want to look at the biblical perspective of exactly what's going on here, but especially how do we respond? What's the biblical response to all of this? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you may also know of my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know of our affairs, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you it does give us clarity in confusing times. And we ask that the church would be the one place where there is clarity of thought and that believers would indeed have clarity in their responses to what's going on in our country today. We ask that you would take full control of the things that are out of our control, but Father, show us the things that we can control and what we can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This morning, of course, we observed through this passage of scripture that our fight, our spiritual warfare is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And of course, as we spoke of principalities and powers, we realized through the scripture that all of which are under the dominion of Christ, all have been disarmed and made a spectacle of through Jesus Christ in the cross and the resurrection. And absolutely, there is no match for the love of Jesus Christ. Personal responsibility in the fight do not succumb to retaliation and anger, but overcome evil by doing good. But now we're presented with a different foe. As we talked about principalities and powers, it's easy that that to be kind of remote because that, that makes us think of positions. That makes us think of government offices. That makes us think of 
of uh, people in authority that quite removed from Brister, quite removed from where we live. But here's another foe that's quite personal to all of us. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. We have a different foe. We have more than one foe. People are not the enemy, but we have darkness. Now, darkness is familiar to all of us. Darkness, of course, was a common foe when we're growing up. You know, at one time, you're afraid of the dark. You want a light on. You want to be sure that you can see when you wake up. And a lot of times kids go through that. You know, there's times and circumstances I'm still not real cozy with the dark. You know, I kind of want some light on if some things are going bump in the night. i got to be able to look around. Darkness is a foe. It's a, a familiar foe to us. So I want to look at how do we deal with this. As with uh, principalities and powers. And when we talk about darkness, we're talking about spiritual darkness. We're not talking about the electricity going out. We're speaking, of course, of spiritual darkness, and in the Bible, it's in, unmistakably linked with evil. Now, Jesus said this in John chapter 3, if you'd like to turn, verse 19 and 20. Of course, John chapter 3 is familiar because we have John three sixteen. A lot of times, that's what people know, but uh, in the shadow of John three sixteen is a passage of scripture that unmistakably links what we're talking about, fighting against darkness with evil. John 3, verse 19. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, and they have been done in God. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. I would think as we look at what happened this past week in Dallas, this is a dark place. Our world is a dark place because... This is not one isolated event. This is a whole chain of events because we deal with what's going on in Dallas and then the world is dealing, of course, with the bombings and the other terrorist attacks in airports and nightclubs and meeting places all over the world. This indeed is a dark, dark world. So we have to understand if it's a dark world, we, we realize it's an evil world. It's a world where evil is prevalent. Not surprisingly, as we look at the fact that evil is linked with darkness, God is the exact opposite. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Did you catch that? In God there is no darkness at all. Jesus said it this way in John Chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. This light, first of all, was prophesied for centuries. In Isaiah chapter 60, a passage of scripture we read during the Christmas time, it says, Arise, your light has come, and Gentiles will come to the light of your rising. And so we realize 
that light has been predicted and linked with the coming of Christ for centuries. Light also is predicted for all eternity. Jesus Christ is mentioned in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. It says, and in heaven, there'll be no need for the light, for the Lamb is the light. There'll no need for sun and moon, for the Lamb is the light thereof. We don't need the stars and the sun and the moon because Jesus Christ, the Lamb, will lighten all of heaven for all of eternity. But the main thing we need to realize, because darkness is frightening. When we talk about spiritual darkness, it is frightening. And I think all of us can say that what happened in Dallas probably evoked some dark emotions. Personally. We're not talking about darkness in theory. Some pretty dark emotions. But we have to look at John chapter 1, verse 1 and get a perspective, a biblical perspective of darkness and light and where we are in a dark world. John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. First of all, pay attention to details. He's speaking in the past tense up until verse 5. He didn't say the light shined in darkness. He says the light shines in darkness, present tense. And it's a, a, a Greek verb structure means it's a continual shining. So we realize it's present tense when John wrote it and it's present tense right now. The light shines in darkness. Light's a familiar theme in the book of John. You'll see light mentioned in conjunction with Jesus Christ 21 times in the book of John. It says the light shines in darkness, the darkness does not comprehend it. Now, our English translation of the word comprehend means the, the, the people didn't understand it. The world, the darkness didn't comprehend it. The darkness couldn't understand it. Well, that could very well be. A lot of folks don't really understand Jesus Christ. But we realize that the word comprehend that's translated into English comes from a Greek word which means to overpower it or to absorb it or to swallow it. Uh, when we comprehend something, it's like we take it in and we understand it. Oh, yeah, we've absorbed that. Sometimes when you're teaching kids, you wonder if they've absorbed anything up here. And that's what the comprehend means. It says the light shines in darkness and the darkness couldn't absorb it or uh, couldn't overcome it. William Barclay, Greek scholar, says the darkness couldn't extinguish it. The darkness couldn't overpower it. So we realize when we're speaking of Jesus Christ as being the light of the world and it shines in the darkness, the darkness as frightening as it is and as prevalent as it is and as dark as it is cannot ever overwhelm, overpower, extinguish Jesus Christ. These are dark days. But Jesus Christ is brighter than all the darkness. 
So how then does this apply to our world? This is all spiritual talk. How does it apply to us? How does the light of God that can overwhelm any darkness and overpower any darkness, how does the light of God get into the world? Three things we look at. There's where we get our practical application to the message. Second Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul speaks of this process. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and we begin in verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Well, there's a good passage of scripture that we need after the events of this past week. We do not lose heart. We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is hidden to those of their perishing whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. It is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's the process? God has shined out of darkness and has shined his light into our hearts. And from there, it is to shine into the world. Jesus said it this way, you're the light of the world and a city on the hill cannot be hid. Where does the light come from? God has shined this light this light that can't be overwhelmed by darkness, into our hearts. And it is this instrument that God wants to use to share that light into a world that is extremely, extremely dark. Well, that still sounds rather th theoretical. Let's get to some practical application. Romans chapter 13, just a few pages back from where you are. Romans chapter 13. Verse 11. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now here's the practical aspect of it. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverie and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now, verse 13 tells us how to share light in the world. And how is that? 
get rid of the darkness in our life. Now, this, earlier we talked about darkness is paired with evil. And when there's evil in our lives and rampant sin in our lives, it's that much more darkness. And it covers the light up. The light can't shine through. As we walk through this particular verse of Scripture, some of these things we may not have problems with. We might have revelry, which of course is loose living, drunkenness and lewdness and lust. All of these things, we might check those off and say, I got that. That's not a problem. But then strife and envy. Strife and envy. That is when we can't get along with other folks and we're not satisfied with what we have and we're unhappy with what we have and we're envious of what other people have and we complain and we worry all of these things now it's beginning to sound a lot more familiar so how is it practical that we shine the light in the world around us well we cast off anything that gives any hint of darkness and we live a life as close to Christ as we can. Because when we put on Jesus Christ, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. What are we putting on? We're putting on light. We're reflecting the light. But we're about to come full circle as the primary agent through which we shine the light into the world. 2 John chapter 2, verse 8. This morning, of course, we spoke of the fact that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. When we succumb, when we succumb to the, uh, when we succumb to hate and anger at those around us, then, of course, we then we then succumb and throw away our best weapon, which is love. We look in 2 John, or maybe 1 John chapter 2, excuse me. Verse 8. 1 John chapter uh, 1, verse 8, excuse me, it's, uh, it's 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and you because the darkness is passing away and true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light. There is no cause for stumbling in them. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This morning I said this. The love of Jesus Christ, who can separate us from that love? Nothing, including the principalities and the powers and so forth. When we cast away the love of Jesus Christ and succumb to hate, we have cast away our, our, our weapon against principalities and powers. Now we've got the darkness. We've got a new foe. We've got a new enemy. And it says, if we hate others, we're in darkness. If we hate others, there is no light. It's easy with the things that have happened in America to pick out one person or one group and generate hatred. It's easy. But when we succumb to that, what have we succumbed to? Darkness. What is the best agent through which we share light into the world? 
the love of Jesus Christ. We've come full circle. That is the best remedy for dark times. God shine love in our hearts and dispel the darkness. We should shine the light of love to the others around us.